Well, let me just say thank you for being here today. It certainly means a lot to us. I hope you have enjoyed uh, that part of our service and certainly such a significant time. Hopefully we're gaining an understanding of the importance of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. But I want to take your thoughts for just a few minutes to something else now. If you haven't already, in the bulletin you received on the way in the door, you'll find one of our study guides. If you would grab that uh, and make it uh, available to yourself as we move through our discussion, then uh, you'll find that helpful. You can also, in the book racks in front of you, you can find other things that might be helpful, pens and clipboards uh, to assist you as you take notes and uh, as we make our way through this discussion. We're going to be looking at a very, a very important verse, uh, very important words of Jesus Christ, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. And we're not going to spend a lot of time here. In fact, probably 15 minutes we're going to be finished, so you're going to have to write quickly if you take notes. But I want to take you to three very important thoughts from this passage. Even though this is a very simplistic passage, I mean, it's very direct. You know exactly what it's saying. You don't have to question or wonder, is there a hidden agenda here? Is there something inside it? Uh, certainly, it's very direct, very upfront. But I believe there's some thoughts that we can pull out of it that will be beneficial for us, especially this week. Now, it'll be beneficial year-round, but I think especially it's applicable to this week. And I'm going to walk you through that and allow you to see. You probably have an understanding of where that's going anyway. What Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, he said, You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now think about that with me for just a second. Jesus is telling us that we are the light of the world. And number one, what he wants us to understand is that people recognize that light. Your first feeling, people recognize that light. People acknowledge that light. People uh, uh, get a sense of, of it being there. They may not understand it. They may not like it. But they know that there's something unique. There's something different. That difference may be something that repels them. They may understand there's something different in our life, but yet they're in our life, but they're repelled by it. The Bible says that men like darkness more than light because their deeds are evil. And when we, the light of Jesus Christ, shine in a dark place, it exposes sin, it exposes rebellion, it exposes areas of the life that people want to keep hidden, and as a result. People are repelled by the light. That's the reason there are many Christians around the world today suffering for Jesus Christ. Because their light that they're shining is repulsive to people. And they want to stamp that light out. And therefore they're trying to extinguish it by, by, by murder, by, by torture, by whatever means possible. They want to eliminate the light of Jesus Christ. But even as there are those who are repelled by the light, there are also those that are drawn to the light. i got to tell you where the title comes from. I'm a little bit embarrassed by it at this point, after, after it already being on the sheets and on the screens. It's too late to do anything about it. But uh, I can remember 
when our daughter was younger, Melinda and Cameron and I were watching a movie, and I don't know if we were at the theater or if we were at the house, I, I don't remember. But it's a uh, Disney movie, Finding Nemo. And uh, I'm not sure if it was the first or the second one or the third or the fourth, however many there are. I only really remember the first one, so let's just say that it was in the first one. Some of you can correct me afterward. But I, I can remember that they were, that Nemo's dad and Dory, which was the absent-minded fish, was searching around trying to find Nemo. And they were looking everywhere for him. They were going from adventure to adventure to adventure, uh, trying to locate where Nemo was. And they found a clue to where he was. It was an address. And, and they were holding the address. They were carrying it. And somehow, I don't remember how, but somehow it got knocked out of their hands or their little fins, I guess would be more correct. It knocked out of their fins and it started falling and it fell and it fell and it fell and it fell all the way to the bottom of the sea. And maybe you remember, if you saw it, they took off after it. And they swam and swam and swam and swam and swam. And they got down to the bottom to where now there was no light reaching. It was pitch black. And there they were trying to find it. They couldn't find it because everything was dark. And all of a sudden, a little glowing light appeared. And the glowing light showed them what they needed to see. That wasn't the intent of the light, but... But it also brought a great deal of danger because the light was attached to a predator. And the predator would use the light to attract fish. And when the fish came, he would grab them and eat them. And it was a gory thought. Strangely, Dory was attracted to the light. She was drawn to the light. And, and, and Nemo's dad, and I don't know his name. You'll have to forgive me. But Nemo's dad was trying to get her away to get him away, get him away. So... The thought as I was thinking about this verse, in fact, the first time I read it, that, that scene flashed in my mind. Now, as I said, I'm embarrassed by that. I would rather it have been a diehard or something like that so you could say, oh, there's a real tough guy, but now you know Disney movies flash through my head. But it's interesting because that's what God wants our light to do. He wants it to be attractive. He wants us to be what we've been saved to be so that people see it and are drawn to it. Some of them will be drawn to it because of what's going on in our own lives. They will know that we're going through a very difficult time, that we're going through a time of great heartache and suffering and great sorrow. And, and they're looking for us to fall apart and, and just have a total meltdown like anyone would in that situation. And yet they see, strangely enough, that something is different here. There's a peace in the middle of this time. There's a, there's a joy that's just unexplainable. He tells us in this verse, Jesus is talking, he says, I want you to know that you are the light of the world. And your light is going to be evident to, to some. It's going to be evident. Some will be drawn, some will be repelled. Really doesn't matter who's drawn and who's repelled because we are what we are. As a child of God, we're called to be the light. In fact, at the time of salvation, we became the light. And as a result, we are who we are. We are who we've been saved to be. And as a result, we have to be the light of Christ. People will recognize the light. But not only that, number two, I want you to see that God recognizes the light. 
God recognizes the light. I, I, I thought a lot about this, and you'll just have to excuse me for my wandering thoughts. I'm just going to ramble through this a little bit to bring you to where I am in my thoughts, because I want us to end at the same place. But as I thought about this, I thought, okay, we are the light of the world. It was an emphatic statement. It wasn't a, well, you, you can possibly get there, or maybe you will be someday, or, or hopefully, or if you think about it, contemplate the possibilities of it and try to achieve it. That wasn't the statement. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are, emphatically. You're a child of God. You are the light of the world. Now, the problem comes in in that some of us want to be recognized as the light of the world on Sunday. We want everybody to know it. Everybody in the church, here we are. But then something drastically changes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Now, some of us are smiling because we know we're busted, don't we? Here we are. This is us. It's us. And so I thought about that. We're good at masking sometimes the light that exists in us. We're good at hiding it. You know, we sometimes hide it through our communication, through our language. Sometimes to prove that we're not a Christian, we don't possess that light when we're out with people we don't want them to know. Then we talk in certain ways. We, we present an attitude that is very obviously not Christ-like. We live through our anger and our bitterness, through our greed, through our lust. In other words, we present what Christ is not. And Christ is one thing, very clearly one thing. And so to make it known that we're not that, we present something else to everyone else. We hide, hide our light. And yet the statement by Jesus is that it cannot be hidden. So then in my mind, there's a couple of thoughts that come out that, that number one is either we're, we're not what we claim to be if we're able to hide the light. In other words, I claim to be a believer, but I can hide it really well. People don't even know except on Sunday. That there's a really good reason for me to consider whether or not I truly am a child of God. Whether or not I truly have been born into God's family. There's reason for me to be concerned about that. There's a lot of reason for me to just pause and look at my life and say, you know what, I say I am because I go to church, because I give money, because I do do things for Christ, and yet... The Bible says, Jesus is talking, he said, there's going to be, on the day of judgment, a lot of people come to me and say, but, but Jesus, didn't I do this for you? Didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? And he's going to say, but you know what? I didn't know you. You claimed to be part of the family of God, but you really weren't. I, I didn't know you. You claimed to represent the light, but the reality was you weren't that light. You weren't that light. So I believe then there's possibility that, that there are those of us here, congregation this size, you would have to imagine that it would represent a certain percentage of this group, that there are those of us that need to be concerned because we hide our light so easily. 
But the second thought that drifts through my mind is, quite possibly what Christ is saying here is not that it can't be hidden from people, but maybe more so that it can't be hidden from God. I thought about Job. I mean, he's one of my heroes in the faith. I mean, it's an amazing guy. Maybe you know his story, maybe you don't. Job was the kind of guy that, that uh, he was upright in everything he did. He was a righteous guy. <laughs> and in his righteousness, he was, he was persecuted because of that stand for God. He stood so closely with God. And within a few hours, if not within a few minutes... Job got word that he had lost everything that he owned. And even worse, that all of his children had been killed in something like a tornado. Oh. Can you imagine the heartbreak of that? And yet this incredible guy does something that's totally unexpected. In the middle of his worst nightmare... The Bible says that he falls to his face and worships God. Wow. Now something interesting is taking place in this story because God gives us insight into what's happening in heaven. We don't usually get to see that. We don't usually get to see the inner workings of heaven in a particular situation, but in this one we do. And God is talking to his enemy, the devil, and he says... Well, have you considered my servant Job? Have you thought about this guy? And I picture it this way. I picture it that God looked down over the world and he directed Satan's attention to the world. And he said, do you see that glowing light down there? That's my servant Job. You look around and what you're going to find is that there's none like him in all the world. Oh, there's lights. You see those lights over there? There's several. They're glowing but uh, not real brightly. And there's lights over here. You can see those, and they're just barely flickering. And there's a few, and, and they're doing pretty well, but none of them are even near what Job is. This guy is upright in every single aspect of his life. And I believe in that moment that God had directed Satan's attention and God was glorified in the life of Job. There's my, look at that light. Look at it shining. <laughs> now there's no doubt that God knows us. He knows where we are all the time. He knows what's happening in our lives. But I also believe that the light that he saved us to be, that he created in us at the moment of salvation, at that time we became the light, that he looks down from heaven and those lights that are shining the way they're supposed to are the lights that are giving him great glory. But then unfortunately there's some of us that were those other places. And our lights, they're flickering but we've tried to mask them so well. We've tried to hide them. We've tried to cover them up, except on Sunday when we want them to be seen. And here we are. We have robbed God of His glory. 
You know what? What would make me extremely excited was to think that God would look down at Miles Strait and he would say, Look, look at how brightly that church shines in this community. And look at how brightly, it's like a blazing fire. Look at that light. And God is glorified from our church. The thing that petrifies me, it scares me to death, is that God looks down and barely sees our light flickering. Now I know we're talking here about an individual basis, but I'm trying to make it collective as well. I know personally, one-on-one with God, I've got to determine, and this to me was a very convicting thought. I've got to determine, is my light glowing the way it should be, or is it maybe masked during parts of the week? And I can tell you, I'll just be honest with you, the answer was, you know what, there are times when I mask my light. There are a lot of times when I'm very vocal about my relationship with Christ. There are other times when I'm places that I don't know. I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. But there are those times when I try to just tone it down a little bit. And it petrifies me to think that, that collectively we would all be like that. That for the most part our church would be a, a little flickering light that is very barely noticeable. And so the third thought that we have to come to is that we have to recognize it. Let's recognize that light. Okay, people recognize it. God definitely recognizes it. Now it's our time to recognize it with the responsibilities that come attached to it. The responsibilities that come attached is that I am what I'm supposed to be to the people I work with, to the people I'm at school with, to the people in which I'm in the neighborhood or on the different ball fields or golf courses or wherever, that I am exactly what I'm supposed to be. And the reason that I say I believe this is so significant for this particular week is because of the opportunity that is presented to us in the form of Easter. Two times during the year, when those who do not go to church will typically be open to coming to church is Easter and Christmas. Statistics show that 75% of people who aren't in church would go to church if someone that was a close friend or a relative simply invited them. That's throughout the year. But those numbers drastically increase around Easter and Christmas. The opportunity expands greatly so that we now have the opportunity to invite someone to come and hear the message of Jesus Christ. We have the opportunity to share with them that message personally and to invite them to come where that message will be clearly presented. We are the light of the world. If you're part of the family of God, it doesn't matter if you want to be or not. It's not conditional it's not a possibility 
As a child of God, you are the light of the world. I am the light of the world. May this week be the beginning point of a brightly shining light individually and a brightly shining church collectively so that God is greatly glorified and so that people have an opportunity to know His Son, Jesus Christ. This week, will people look and say, look at the glowing light 